I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to AfterBuzz TV's After Show panel for Penny Dreadful City of Angels. We are talking episode two, uh, Dead People Lie Down. And before we get in, we get all into it, you guys, please tell me your overall thoughts, Brian. Ooh. Oh, a lot happened in this one. I said in our 60-second review, I was trying to do other things, but I couldn't get myself to do other things because there was so much happening in the show and I didn't want to miss anything. Such a great episode. So many people. We got new characters, saw more of our old characters. Super excited to get into it. And in the end, Dominic Sherwood, Shadowhunters, love him. So excited to see him again. Can't wait to see more of him. How about you, Adam? What do you think? I think this uh, episode was absolutely fantastic. It's the second episode going into this new series. Uh, we're dealing with the battle of the soul of Los Angeles, uh, Detective Vega. We're dealing with um, solving this murder mystery, which is very clearly set up. Uh, I, I just, I love everything that was going on. And yeah, I mean, this is one of those things. It's, it's a very cool thing for an after show because if I wasn't doing the after for this, I would still be watching the show. So that's how much I, I really, really loved what was going on. Can't wait to discuss. <laughs> Sorry, how about you? This episode definitely started to add some context. I remember you guys last episode, I was like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm still trying to keep it together. But I think, you know, the show writers heard my cry because this started to add like a little bit more depth. We get to see like the character development, how the characters overlap, how they're um, interacting with each other. So that was really cool to see. And now I'm starting to like piece together the plot. So just super excited to see the rest of the series. Absolutely. I think we got a lot of answers and a lot of questions. To this in this episode and um let's just dive into it we'll get to our special segment and our news later on but um first i hate to not hate but i don't like to start off with such a heavy topic but i just felt like i mean it's very in our face in this show the the racism which mm. which i which again is a very heavy topic and i'm sorry to start off with this one but it is just so prevalent and literally every i felt like every scene we experience it and every time I see it, it, like I get, I either cry or at least get misty, and it just really kills me. And it's like, even like the slightest, it's it can be so subtle or so in your face, like when the officer spits on on um, Tiago, Ooh. or yeah, or even when they go to talk to the the lady. Uh, oh, what's her freaking name? Uh, Miss Adelaide at that church, and she like mm. just won't even answer his questions like straight up until. Yeah, um, until Lewis has to ask for she him. She takes the card, she throws it down at his feet, just kind of like, yeah, oh, come oh, on. The worst. He's a cop. It's just, He's a cop. Like, oh, it just, and it just, it pains me so much to watch it. And um, so I kind of wanted to see like what part, maybe what parts of that or how you guys felt about it or what stood out to you. Um, Adam, please. Uh, you know, I, my mind goes a little grotesque as well, because when I see stuff like that, especially by the cops, I'm always just thinking, wow, I wish there were body cams right now. I wonder what else we're not seeing that is just going unreported this whole time. And completely, it helps, it helps make it so that people never want to talk to cops or trust cops. Like that's kind of, you tend to think that, oh, this is back then. Everything was really racist. It's black and white. It's, it's terrible. It, and then you're kind of going, no, we're still dealing with a lot of these similar problems today. It's just another group. It's another group that's being made to feel inferior, that's being made to put down, that's being told you weren't born here, you don't belong here, you're not a quote unquote American. Um, I, uh, I really felt uh, just right off the bat with how the episode started with Detective Vega 
uh, looking at his brother. I first off the fact that the brother's still alive. He took a bullet to the head, which mm. I don't know how many people Bonkers. would have that happen. But the fact that his mom and sister, you know, are both praying for him. And they're like, "What the look? What the cops did to your brother?" And then his little brother Mateo comes over and he's like, "I saw what you did." And if he dies, you're out of the family. So there's this whole feeling of. I got to tell you, I think, especially since quarantine, tell me how you guys feel, but I think it's very easy to relate to a feeling of like, like just everything's overwhelming and everything's too much. And, um, but what did you guys feel seeing that? I I just thought the whole family dynamic, it just seems to make it that much more, uh, it heightens the stakes that if he, at least if he can't solve this murder, his family may or may not, you know, hang in the balance for good or better for us. For oh, sure. Yeah. The one, the racism part that really stuck out to me was at the soda machine. That one really like took me to um, my core. We'll, we'll talk about that scene. That yeah. was crazy. Okay, awesome. <sighs> we'll talk about that. But yeah, like that was just one that really stuck out to me in the whole aspect. Like he was like in his face and I like just go on a positive note. I'm hoping that something comes out of those two because I saw a little bit of spark there. Maybe just because I'm gay and I'm reaching. I don't know. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> I was right there with you. I was right there with you. I was, I was like, like what am I seeing some, here? I hope I'm seeing something. There's a big <laughs> tension up in this, up in this soda machine. Machine. <laughs> yes, I was like, give me a Coke. I want to watch it all go down. Um, so- <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. How about you, Tori? Um, I'm going to be like extremely honest. And no, please. None of it really shook me, if I'm going to be like completely honest. Like, none of the, like, it didn't phase me. And this, this series is pretty like, I don't, I don't want to say like gruesome, but like you said, it's kind of like ripped the bandaid off. Like nothing is really held back or sugarcoated or anything. It's a lot going on. Um, not for the weak stomach at all, but when it came to the racist part, I think if I'm being honest, I think I'm immune to it. I think, I don't know if it's because I'm just so used to seeing it on the screen or because, I mean, I had to watch Roots when I was at a tender age. So like that stuff just, that was ripping the bandaid off for me. So certain things like they don't, really shake me or they don't come as a surprise like I don't really uh like have any hate towards like any character because I don't expect any like revenge to come from it or any justice or anything like that and that honestly could just be like my I don't know if I'm thinking about it in a too like realistic lens but I think that now when I see things like that on tv or on the screen it really doesn't like you would think I didn't miss a beat like it doesn't bother me and a part of me like is bothered by the fact that I'm not bothered or the fact that like it doesn't do anything for me when I was looking I was like I mean yeah expect it like everything just kind of went as I expected it to go so it was it was interesting to watch and it's really interesting to hear you guys like observations to those things because it's really like emphasizing how I feel well that's 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 like nail on the head because it's it's I think what is shocking about it is its lack of shock and I completely Mm -hmm. agree it's like that's what made it so upsetting and at least for me what I was so upset because like it I mean granted this is oh my gosh I don't even I can't even say this is almost 100 years ago like 90 80 years ago and mm-hmm. obviously things were worse then but it's like something that I was realizing was like we're in our day and age now and we're seeing these things being represented from a time period before and it's like it hasn't really changed and that's what's so so jaw-dropping is that yeah it's we're still seeing this and like what was mm-hmm. killing me was like um oh my god uh, con- uh councilman townsend was mm-hmm. like oh four cops died today and this is the most in la da, 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 da. but then we see that scene where detective santiago like is walking to the hospital and he sees a room where there's like at least eight dead chicano bodies that aren't being reported on and i was like this is so 
I mean, like it's it's not shocking, but the fact that it's not yeah. shocking is what makes it so hard. And so that was just something yeah, I wanted exactly. to touch on because I was very, it made me very just emotional. Like I was very sad for everything and everyone. And it, I don't know, maybe it's just too relatable and puts me in a place of like, the world is awful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but it's like, if I don't laugh, I'm going to cry. So it's like, yeah, I feel it, that. it's just a little too real. But um, that kind of brings me to a, a one not necessarily a huge play, but something that um, uh, Detective Tiago, I feel like in every scene, he's just always holding back tears. Like he's always like his nostrils are flaring mm-hmm. or, he's, or he's choking up. Like he's always like ready to cry. And I think it's part of his maybe like machismo, like he's not going to cry. And then we finally do see him break down on the stairs. And then the same thing with his brother. And um, that was just kind of which oh which goes into the scene we were talking you were saying brian at the soda machine where Mm -hmm. um his brother his brother mateo finally had a moment to walk away and just like let it go like let not let it go but let himself release that horrible pain that he's feeling and he's interrupted by the cops for yet another Mm -hmm. horrible interaction Mm -hmm. and um there was so much i mean there was so there's so much to be said about that scene so um uh, Brian, tell us what, what why it stuck out to you so much. Yeah, and I think it was really just like because I feel like with the, with the first interaction with with Tiago, like it was more just like a like a shame kind of thing. Like he was just getting in his face more like angry, but like with with Mateo it was definitely like very more like intimidating. Like he was really trying to like instill like this fear inside of him, which he obviously did, of course, especially him being so much younger. So that was what really stuck out to me. Like I could feel like Mateo's fear and like what he was going through already from all things happening with his family you know with his brother and then to have this right in front of him as well and all these different emotions he's feeling I felt that all portrayed and then we just did a whole 180 with a guy coming in and I was like feeling the spark so I don't know what's gonna happen there (laughs) but (laughs) yeah that was what was happening for me it it was definitely uh, yeah it was definitely a pretty cool moment we meet uh, a new character Fly Rico uh Rico fly for Rico. short he was pretty who, yeah. oh excuse me yeah. he's, <laughs> he's pretty fly okay it's okay there was there's some hardcore sex scenes in this show I, I think our audience is ready for a little f-bomb but um it's uh the fact that this guy was willing to take out a knife in front of four cops and kind of just say don't mm-hmm. do whatever I want and he uh, I wrote down the line too where the cop says there's four of us pal and he says there's a city of me great line yeah. so uh yeah. I think this this new guy fly Rico Obviously, I think this is going to become a new older brother figure for Mateo because he might be completely disgusted with his brother now for shooting his older brother. So I feel like he's lost. He's definitely very susceptible now to, you know, feel um, comforted by other people who go, hey, how you're being treated, it's not okay. And we can help you and we'll make you feel safe. We'll make you feel better. Um, And he might just find, I think this uh, Rico character is going to be really cool going down the line, but I think is also going to draw Mateo into another world that is also going to pit him against Tiago even more. Absolutely. Sorry. Any yeah, part okay. of this scene, please. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah, I'm probably going to think I sound ridiculous, but a part of me, maybe like 20% of me feels like Rico, I mean, Fly Rico isn't real. Like, I feel like he might be, <laughs> I don't know if that's because I was taken aback that he really introduced himself as Fly Rico. And <laughs> I was like, okay, this is in a hospital is not really the time for nicknames, if we're being honest. Um, but I was thinking like, it was just, I don't know, maybe it was like the the confidence that he had to just kind of like stand up to four cops with 
a knife. Like you brought a knife to a gunfight and you are exactly what you are <laughs> saying. Didn't even care. Just, yeah. Exactly. A part of me just felt this kind of like immortalness about him. And I was like, when he's like kind of in a sense, a guardian angel type of thing, but that's only 20% of me. Now the other 80% is just like, okay, maybe he's just like, you know, somebody who's also here because one of their family members or friends or loved ones is also in the hospital and just kind of like relating to that sort of grief. And when you're in a hospital and everybody's feeling the same thing, it's kind of like you said, Adam, like we're all feeling the same thing. We have to stick up for each other in some sort of way, even if it's in a Mm -hmm. small type of, you know, because if you don't get a, if you don't get a break, to just sit and digest the grief you have to deal with it in some type of way and if that is sticking with each other to kind of like pull each other up in some even if it's just standing up before cops that's trying to poke Mm -hmm. your eye out like you have to do something so I'm kind of split but I'm leaning more towards the latter it's crazy that like we all had three different perspectives like I feel like me and Cody saw like some spark and then Adam saw like a brotherly thing and then Tori saw like an angel so like it's kind of interesting how they portrayed it where we all saw something different because I did not get brother or angel but then I see where you're coming from too so I'm like interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it was a cool moment I I kind of agree with all of you like Tori like I kind of feel like he's so unreal like to come in and like just pull a switchblade out and be to four white cops who like obviously is a thing and then they all just like back down. But at the same time, in the first episode, we hear um, Detective Lewis is like, oh, about that, that, that kid of yours, like elsewhere. So I feel like they, they definitely, I mean, that was something I really wanted to get into about this scene was that the Detective, not Detective Lewis, the cop, um, oh, what's his name? His name is Officer Riley and Rico. They obviously have some sort of relationship. Whether, mm. I mean, define that however you want. But they, there's something there. Like they, that was obviously they know each other, and there's some sort of very mm-hmm. strange dynamic for Officer Riley to be so racist and awful in every scene we've seen them to all of a sudden just back down. And then yeah. same, and then and then Brian, I totally agree. I felt there was so much sexual tension in that scene. Like I don't know what's going on, but I like it. Um, and then especially <laughs> right, and then especially with Rico giving a little a little smooch to Officer yeah. Riley, I was like. Rico oh my gosh <laughs> and then Adam I totally agree I think that I think though don't get me wrong I, I like me some Rico I think that Rico's <laughs> going to be it's going to be a new chapter a new group and I don't think it's going to be a positive influence on Mateo's life no. so it's like I really see all of these things coming together and it's it's going to unfold to be a very, I think he's going to have a very dynamic character arc, at least hopefully, because that's what it seems like. And mm-hmm. what did he say? He said, she's like, oh, you didn't, you didn't yell. You're a, where's the word I wrote? You it didn't down. scream. You're a, but you're, you a didn't scream. you're a pachuco. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I wanted to mm-hmm. go into Google Translate and be like, what is chuco? Like, I was like, <laughs> I need, and it just I needed to like, know. <laughs> it just meant like a gang member, right? Like it was, that's what I looked it up. It didn't, it didn't have much specific except mm. for like uh Chicano, like gangster. <laughs> oh, okay. Like you're a badass maybe. I think so. Yeah. Like probably nowadays okay. the slang would be different. But, um, and then what also was crazy about this episode was we get a little more into this Nazi scene. Like we see, like I remember last episode I talked to you guys, I was like, I just felt like they threw the Nazis in and that yeah. was like really just like, like too much whipped cream on top. But <laughs> it kind of started making a little more sense this episode and we see um, Detective Lewis is looking out, is trying to figure out what's going on with that, other, with that one Nazi guy and he sends his friends off after, after they split off 
and then his friends get brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, you knew that was coming. And they're going up into the hills. They're like, where is he going? I'm like, well, you're following him alone I'm... now, so yeah, <laughs> right. It. it was just That's... like you guys. Yeah, he's going in the hills. You're really gonna just follow him up? Like I was just like, it was like we could see that one coming so hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I um, I wanted to get, hear your guys' insights on what's going on, how you feel about now, how you now feel are feeling about all these about this Nazi third reich thing going on like adam please oh man well you can never hate enough nazis so uh <laughs> I, I don't know um the fact that they're uh still moving forward and the fact that uh councilman townsend now you know he was getting that haircut and w- doing the trimmers and mrs branson played by the you know angel of death type character when she was watching him get the clippers i'm like are they gonna give him like a hitler stash is that what she's kind of like smiling oh my gosh but maybe it seemed like i just imagine it's gonna get like shorter and shorter and shorter she was like trim the mustache i'm like how short are they gonna trim this thing <laughs> so anyway they didn't do it they went with like you know the cartoonish but i i'm prepared for a hitler stash at some point so mentally prepare yourself for that look because you <laughs> once you see it you can't see it but um yeah i think uh it, it's um it, it's definitely all progressing it like what you said there's like eight different layers to this show like it, it's one thing if it's just like oh the the detective vega family drama and then oh they still got to solve this case and then oh nazis are trying to build stuff and then oh this angel of death is trying to get everyone killed and like oh like there's a lot of layers to this whole thing so mm-hmm. um yeah that guy's still bad and obviously they're going to keep building they're going to build the motorway now the fact too that he was holding up the officer's uh, uniform, the bloodied oh, uniform yeah. that just felt like a very, it, it felt like hitting the the nose with um, just where we are politically right now, where mm-hmm. I was just like, I would, I could see this happening now where just someone takes someone's death and goes, look what happened because of these immigrants. Like I, I could see it happening. So it's, um, yeah, this show is very, I think it's, it's definitely got its finger on the pulse of like where we are right now because I, I feel like that's especially like living in los angeles and seeing part of like our history and where the city has come from um but yeah tori what about you yeah um i'm still trying to figure out why they are there because <laughs> so less, I'm, so I'm just like i think like you said cody it was just a lot of layering to the point where you're just like okay can we take a step back and let us like actually digest what's going on because the minute that you feel like you understand what's going on over here it's like oh nazi wait okay mm-hmm. what's going on but i kind of in a sense i kind of like it because it kind of keeps you on your toes like i said just when you think that you're piecing it together and you understand the storyline and you identify who is killing everybody it's like wait but don't forget about the nazis over there you have to remember <laughs> that. so mm-hmm. even though i haven't like pieced it together and i'm not really sure how i feel about them throwing it in there it definitely like keeps everybody engaged because you have to keep like working to piece this thing together it's almost like they're setting it up to where you can act as a detective in the episode as well yeah like you can kind of like figure out what's going on for yourself now that you see all the moving parts even though all the characters can't see all the moving parts you know what i mean so oh, yeah. I feel like i'm just gathering Absolutely. The evidence and i still don't know what's going on <laughs> for sure me too i was just so shook when they were going up the hill like you guys said like i knew they were gonna die and obviously there's only five minutes left in the episode so i was like okay yeah this is gonna be a cliffhanger they're gonna be dead i know it and i saw it coming um but like adam you mentioned about the councilman townsend and the assistant i was talking about last week i didn't realize it's played by the same person Mm -hmm. which is cool right what a great role what a great role 
so it's played so by cool. the the German lady, and then she is Natalie Dormer from Game of Thrones. She also plays the, Dormer, the yeah. other angel of death. So like mm-hmm. she is playing the different roles, and I great I bring with it up accents. Because I feel, oh yeah, for sure, amazing. Yeah, she's like she part of the Nazis. Like I feel like she is somehow involved with the Nazis because she has this like ear into Councilman Townsend, and she has this ear into Doctor Kraft. So I feel like she's gonna play a big role in the Nazi area. So I'm Oof. like nervous to see how that happens. Yeah, and speaking of Dr. Kraft, she brings back her creepy baby, or not baby, but her kid again at the beach. Mm-hmm. That was so scary. <laughs> and we see Frank again, and they play with the kids, and they have their little story. And um, we don't have to go too much into that, because I feel like not a whole lot happened at the beach. But yeah. one thing that I did notice was that Dr. Kraft's kids, Trevor and Tom, Tom didn't like Frank. No, Tom knew whole- Frank was weird. Yeah. yeah, Tom like caught on to that real quick, and I don't like. I don't think the kids are going to be too much of like a plot twist, but Tom sees something that they're not seeing. Tom I mean, might... I mean that we are seeing, but Tom's yeah. seeing it too. And then even and Frank was the one who was the he said the line that's the title of the episode, like "Oh, dead people," which is "dead people lie down." He and Tom mm-hmm. was like, "Uh, excuse me." Okay. Yeah, yeah. Except like, I'm just trying to build it... my sandcastle. Yeah. <laughs> He said it like a freaking kid at a pet cemetery. He said it like yeah. very creepily. Like, ten mm-hmm. people lie down. Like, like you? Yeah, I got it. Yeah, freak. Very six, like, what is it? Six Sense? Yeah, very Six Sense. Yeah. Like, six Sense, so yeah. Creepy. It was also very much, uh, that was like a throwback to Elijah Wood looking at Macaulay Culkin in The Good Son. That's exactly what that <laughs> felt like. Where you know this kid's like up to no good. Right. Great <laughs> early 90s movie. Check it out. Kids have a really good judgment of character. And they yeah. don't sugarcoat anything. Kids and dogs. I kind of feel like it's not going to be a prominent thing, but I definitely think that like the son is going to say something maybe to like the mom, his mom, uh, the doctor's wife, just like mm-hmm. about it, just either like kind of saying that the kid is weird or that his dad has been like hanging out with it. Like he's going to say something because kids don't hold back. And he also obviously thinks the kid is creepy. So he's probably yeah. going to do what he can to make sure he doesn't have to hang out with him again. <laughs> I would have done that as a kid. Like mom, <laughs> no. Like, no, no, no more play dates. <laughs> no. Well, that, oh, oh, I totally wanted to con- go off of what you just said, Tori, and I lost it. Um, anyway, um, I'll come I, back to me. But I have um, something to add oh, about a creepy Adam, moment, yeah, please. if you want. Well, uh, just thinking about Dr. Kraft and then going into a creepy moment. We talked, uh, I think I brought up last week how the show a little bit reminds me of Devil's Advocate. That, like, there's different stuff playing out. And something that definitely happened in the movie Devil's Advocate starring uh, Keanu Reeves, Al Pacino, and Charlize Theron is um, a weird sex swap scene. Mm, that was weird. Which, that was so weird. Which happened, right? <laughs> oh, Where thank de- you, Dr. the wife. Kraft, that's who, yes, you, you got there, Adam. Thank you. That's having sex with his wife. She kind of looks off to the side, like you don't know where she is, and he touches her hair and turns blonde. I'm like, oh no, it's gonna turn into the Nazi chick, and then yeah. she's gonna do something kinky and weird, and then he's she gonna be like, him. I was like, ah, yeah, scratched him. Uh, a Nazi scratched him. Whatever. right and then she was like don't ever do that to me again i was like wait i'm, I'm so confused yeah. like what did he yeah, do right? that was weird oh he said she said don't embarrass me like that again i was like oh like i just like it got chills it was so weird yeah. well i think they're not gonna talk about that in that scene was i because obviously i think that the angel of death has the power to do i think she was there for yeah. dr totally. craft but I think maybe he must like because we didn't see the I, we didn't see whatever made the wife so angry. So maybe he said something in the middle of that. Exactly. Like, maybe yeah. said her name or Ooh, something yeah. like you know what I yeah. mean. Like mm. obviously, he's like so- I love being a Nazi, and then she got really <laughs> weirded out. Because- <laughs> <laughs> 
Because I think even he was, he was confused when she was like, don't ever embarrass me like that again. I think even yeah, he was like, yeah. oh, he's lost. what just like, happened? I was in another place. So Yeah, he was like, out of body experience, yeah. I'm very curious to see how his wife plays into things. Because even at the beach, she was like, oh, her complexion, she can't be in the sun. And he always has an excuse for her. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering what it, her actual role is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, we'll um, get there. <laughs> and another, but we have more new people. Um, we have to talk about Sister Molly. <gasps> and, Love her. Um, she she is a riddle wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in question marks. Mm-hmm. And um, let's just—I I won't say too much. Tori, like, how did Sister Molly in the church and her mother, Miss Adelaide, how did all of that settle with you? <laughs> it, I feel like I just keep saying stuff just gets weirder. Like every time. You, then you think we're at like max level. It's like throwing a song, throwing a singer. Like, why are you doing this? <laughs> and so when we first introduced, I was like, okay, wait, like, how is this going to go? It, it's an interesting dynamic because you can definitely tell that like the daughter is more sheltered. She has this bodyguard that follows her everywhere, even when she's washing the dishes and stuff like that. And then her mom is clearly like in control. And the one thing that really caught my attention about this scene that I'm still kind of like, okay, what's going on is when they were walking, I guess, like to the back of the church, I guess. And like the camera is just showing just these bags of money, just like everybody has yeah. money on the table. And I wasn't sure if they had like, a book or anything like I wasn't sure if they were like selling something or if they were just counting the money and like recording you know how much they had but I mean like they just kept showing you like the camera up until you got to um the mom was just kept showing each table with just bags of money just like stacks of cash and I was just like there's definitely something here like I don't know if the church is maybe like like cleaning money like dirty money or if it's mm-hmm. just kind of I didn't really know what the dynamic was but I definitely think that's going to play into um the mom and the daughter I think so- something's going on while this money they're getting it doesn't look clean oh, to yeah. me yes oh yeah sure. uh, I Adam, thought oh, oh yeah no, Brian you're already talking please go yeah <laughs> I was just gonna say <laughs> jumping off of what Tori said with the bodyguard protecting I was so weirded out when she was like, yeah, he's here to protect my virtue. I was like, oh my God, ew, I just cringed. Um, Yeah, Um, but I did love about her. I loved every single, that entire exchange with Tiago. Like I just felt that so much. And I felt like she, it's so weird. Like they just met, but I felt like she really understood him, especially in that last encounter they had Mm -hmm. before the mom barged in. Um, I felt like they really, really understood each other. So I loved seeing that. Um, I love seeing a different side of her because, you know, when she was introduced, you, you don't know what's going to happen, especially with this mother. You think she's going to be somebody bad. But I feel like she has this good layer to her, especially during those interactions with Tiago. So I want to see how she influences her own, her his storyline and then how she kind of messes with everybody else's. Heck yeah, I see that. How about you, Adam? Well, uh, shout out Sister Adelaide, played by Amy Madigan, who's amazing. She's in uh, Field of Dreams. And uh, let's see... Um, Gone Baby Gone, she's the sister with, uh, I think, the sister-in-law to Amy Ryan, the daughter that gets kidnapped. Um, she's incredible. And uh, to have her do something, and then her daughter, there were two things that I thought. First off, uh, Detective Vegas totally falling in love with Sister Molly because mm-hmm. she's, you know, she's, yep. vir- she's a virgin, she's virtuous, she's <laughs> completely untouched by everything bad happening around them, right? Uh, which leads allegedly. me to believe two, two things. Yeah, allegedly. One, I think she's directly involved somehow because she is part of the church. Somehow she's involved with this murder, the Hazlitt family, mm-hmm. who was a regular parishioner there. And she said, you know, we don't get too close to them. Uh, and Or two, she's probably going to die. 
something at some point because it's too good. De- Detective yeah. Vega, he's feeling hope with her. She's reminding him about humanity. And she talks about the story with the man with the iron lung and how she prayed for him, how she was there, but he still died, but she still went and she still cared. And you can tell Vega is really wrestling with why are we doing all these things if certain people are just going to die or certain people are just going to be bad? What's the point? Sure. Why even try to help them? Um, but it's she's definitely involved somehow. But uh, it, it's really gonna. Uh, I just feel like at the end he's gonna finally feel happy. But if shows like Game of Thrones or Walking Dead have taught us anything, the second you have hope, you die. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, what was so interesting about his interaction about Detective? Oh my god, um, Santiago's interaction with her is when he's asking her questions, she, I feel like some of her answers are very telling. Like when he asks you, oh, how do you know she, how, what makes you think he's such a tall man? Or then he's, he just asks very interesting little questions. And then she actually completely contradicts what Sister Adelaide's answers were with Detective Lewis. When she, no. Sister Adelaide was like, oh, like we don't interact with our parishioners. Like we don't know them. He, he works here. He works with the money. That's she all she says. Him. We don't talk to them. Mm-hmm. But, then she, but then her daughter's like, oh, we went to dinner with them a year ago. I mean, two years ago. And they get, parishioners get attached. So I think that it's very, a very muddy situation between um, Sister Molly and Sister Adelaide and whatever happened with that family. And I do agree mm-hmm. that there must be some sort of connection between that murder. Um, and this goes in a little more to uh, a little bit more toward predictions, but there's mm-hmm. um there's a lot going on, and I do an, oh my gosh! And from the moment Detective Santiago saw her, I was like, he loves her. It's a love story because before she but before she goes on to sing, she looks very upset. She looks very sad and very like she didn't want to be there, and then she has to put on this mask of like i'm the happy singer for this big mega church and um so there's definitely there's a huge she's gonna be a big unraveled development in this story and then again and then what tori said with the money i think um whether it's like dirty money or they're stealing from like the collection bin like then they are not (laughs) the one that goes around in the pew (laughs) seriously seriously and like there's well, yeah, we're not seeing the end of them because even um, Detective Lewis was like, "They're trying to, they're trying to write us off. They got something to hide." So yep. there's a lot going on there. The show, but um, on a bit of a happy or maybe happier note, Tori, please take us into our special segment. Yes. So our special <laughs> segment on this show, on this after show, is that we share our rose and thorns of the week. You know, previous oh, and yes. your rose is just something that has helped you get through the week and the thorn is something that wasn't you know it's pleasant or maybe something that was holding you back it can be a person place or thing there are no restrictions here because this is a show where anything could happen you never know who's coming around the corner so adam why don't you start us off with your rose and thorn rose and thorn for this week interesting um i'm not really gosh I'd say my rose was, uh, I'm noticing now I'm FaceTiming more with my family than I did before. We're like communicating and talking a lot more. I feel like because that's more important now. And so like every weekend is turning into talking and seeing family and um, feeling really good about when I put down my phone now and like just getting back to relationships and talking more to people. Um, I think the 
thorn maybe is just realizing uh, I, I'm still very fortunate to work for a nonprofit theater in Los Angeles, the Geffen Playhouse. And just realizing that for theaters coming back, uh, theaters everywhere, um, we're probably going to be in the final stages of any state, you know, as they look to reacclimate to what normal is, crowd size over 100 is definitely going to be interesting. So sometimes it's, you feel good because you're like, oh, we're still moving forward. We're doing everything. But then you still get hit with this reality of when are we going to be able to be in a group of more than 100 people again? When is a concert going to happen again? How is that? people with masks, people who don't even, you know, believe in wearing masks or, you know, how do you put that all together? So um, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a good week though, but honestly, I think just uh, reconnecting and talking to a lot of family is really helping. It's making me feel a lot better. Yeah. Brian, what about you? Yay. Uh, my rose was, I actually work in social media. So I had an interview today for another job, which fingers crossed for that so that was fun that like really well thank you <laughs> um my thorn is that my birthday is may 11 and i came to the realization re- recently that we will be in home at home on my birthday <laughs> so i was Aww. like so sad about that i wanted to throw it back in weho but i guess i'm not doing that um so <laughs> we will see what happens but yeah that's kind of my rose and thorn just hoping out hoping for what's gonna happen next but sad that my birthday is gonna be in here <laughs> We'll definitely have to find a way to celebrate. Cody, yes, what about you? Yes. Zoom it. <laughs> um, my rose this week, I mean, it's kind of funny because of the quarantine. Like I've actually, I've been slowly meeting more and more of my neighbors. And so um, a couple of them I've gotten close with in the last like few weeks. So it's been, that's been my rose. And it was like, um, we're in the same building. We hung out the other night. Only a few of us. It wasn't like we're having a party. But like, <laughs> it was just nice to like, have a glass of wine with like my neighbors and like get to know each other so that was like they're kind of it's kind of like a nice like a little a literal flower coming out of all this disparity and then um well not literal I guess a figurative flower but um (laughs) uh and then my thorn um I don't know honestly I mean this might be a little too heavy or not too heavy but it's just heavy Uh, a few weeks ago I I lost one of my friends unrelated to coronavirus I'm and, sorry. Um, that's just yeah, and it's just been so the last month or so, last month, three weeks have just been kind of tough. So that's really just been a the thorn that I've been dealing with. But um, I'm just you know, like I said, meeting new people, been working with you guys, doing all this has been really nice. So it's nice to be busy and yeah, be healthy. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. it's just like amazing that you're even able to push past that and join us in this after show this virtual after show i think that's amazing that you're able to you know handle your emotions that way i applaud you on that it's uh, it's been a trip for sure yeah i can imagine um i think my thorn would be i don't know something about the new month you kind of realize like how much time has passed and it's already may month five of the year and kind of like oh we almost halfway through the year we still in five um but not just you know not just being a five that's not the worst but just like we're in month five and there hasn't been a tremendous amount of progress and you're realizing that people are affected mm-hmm. every day and it's just like oh like you just kind of have that anxiety around it but I think my rose is similar to Adam's and it's just kind of because this is the new normal at least for now um I'm definitely finding new and creative ways to celebrate birthdays and celebrate graduations with my friends and things like that because unfortunately we can't go outside and I know that's like my go-to oh we'll go out and celebrate or I'll be at your graduation or I'll come to your party and it's like that's not an option right now so I'm definitely like 
getting my creative juices flowing. Like, what can I do to still make the people around me know that they are loved, even though I can't physically be there? And I'm just like thankful that through this time, it's forced me to do that because sometimes we can't just always rely on what we know. Absolutely. Heck yeah. Well, thank you, Tori. I actually really, I love this segment because it's just like, really like- It's a good segment. Yeah, it gets you to like, it's thought provoking and it's like, Mm -hmm. what's good? What's that? And like, like juxtaposition of like, just being okay. Like, I really like this. This is good. And um, Brian, I think you have a little bit of news for us today. I do. It's um, just some fun things to share. So, um, of course, this is a spinoff of the original Penny Dreadful, which happened um, from 2014 to 2016. So I just wanted to share for those who are original fans of the show, according to the showrunner, it's actually going to be no correlation. So people were thinking we're going to get some tie-ins, some character drop-ins, that kind of thing, but there's going to be no correlation at all. The showrunner says that it's going to be a fresh start, brand new show. Um, So we'll see what happens. I'm excited to see it. And real quick while I'm here, I want to also shout out the chat. We have Taylor and ER's grandpa with us. Thank you so much for being here. You're amazing. We love you. We love this show. Can't wait to talk about it again with you next week. Heck yeah. Um, so you guys, before, I want to go into predictions, but really quick, there were just two, like, lo- actually, I'm going to say three. Three little things in this show that I've noticed that I just want to know if maybe you guys have noticed it or maybe that you think it means something else. First of all, maybe about Detective Lewis. Um, he always has a flask. And so I think he's like, he's either an alcoholic or a functioning alcoholic, or maybe it's just because it's the 1930s and it was just like, okay then. But um, it doesn't have to be like a huge like thing, but if you, like if any of you have like had any thoughts about how that might play out, um, please chime in. If not, it's just a little, it's just like a little <laughs> side thing that I noticed. I only noticed I it actually in that first encounter with Tiago. I didn't even know he had a flask until then. So interesting. I just thought he was using it to, like, cope with everything that comes with the job. I mean, he just got shot, so why not take a shot? (laughs) I don't don't know. I just noticed in movies like this, like, everybody has a flask. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's very noir of him to do, so. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who used to have a steady uh, IV of Jameson in my system, yeah, it just looks like he's just, uh, he's, he's going through some stuff he's dealing with i think it's it's also something too you know this would be kind of terrifying if it just be kind of came the norm to see Mm -hmm. swastikas start popping up on your beaches and just Mm -hmm. have people go yeah this is uh you know and then they're also responsible for new construction and things that are happening in your country uh and you can't really do anything about it legally Mm -hmm. like you can't just go kill them you can't you like you have to kind of play by the rule book so you're you're kind of doing all that while the city is on fire and you're trying to figure it out i feel like yeah you're gonna you're gonna self-medicate as best you can he's probably just a you know a functioning alcoholic as as good as he can be but yeah that'll probably blow up in a couple episodes so good call <laughs> yeah like maybe he'll have it like always a, does <laughs> you can't yeah, you can't there'll eat, be a point where he's too, it's too much because even when in the first episode they go he go they go to the the people who were murdered their house and he just pours himself a glass of scotch but, yeah, that's um, his go-to. And then similar, actually still going off of Detective Lewis, when they were walking out of the church, he started telling a story about like the Frenchmen and the Arabs and they put all these bodies to like make it seem like they had a bigger... Do you guys remember what I'm talking about? Bo Jest. That was the movie he was yes. talking about. Which uh, sounded like a very similar plot to El Cid. 
like the El, El Cid, the great movie where at the end the hero dies, but they oh, don't the want the, they, yeah the Cid. They don't want the uh, other army. I forget if it was the Turks or whoever it was. They didn't want them to think that he died, so they propped him up on a horse and just sent him out. And just the the image of him coming out freaked out everybody. So the fact that they have all this. Um, yeah, these dead soldiers up on the wall. I feel like that's definitely going to be your metaphor for how they're going to get out of something in the end. Well, what the thing is, the, well, what I thought was so, this is, because I, I kind of, I honestly, I watched it a second time again. Um, <laughs> what was really crazy to me was that story that he was telling Detective Santiago was when at the beach, when the kids were playing together, um, tre- uh, Trevor and... Tom were telling Frank that same story like oh these yep. are the guys and, and then he was like oh well they should be dead because they should be laying down because they're dead and so I don't know what to take from that but it was just like a really weird correlation I was like whoa these kids are talking about the exact same thing mm-hmm. as this detective um and that was just something I guess that was just something else but, the creepy yeah. dead kid yeah he got it <laughs> yeah too. the creepy right, dead kid we're also going to talk yeah. about the the last moment of the show which was really creepy yes oh my gosh thing. Raul's <laughs> resurrection. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, which which thank you, which brings me well, let's talk about that and then we can go into predictions. So please, um Brian, tell us how, what you thought about Raul's mom summoning again, summoning the uh the the not the the spirit of the dead and then Santa Muerte, uh, right? Yeah. Thank you, Santa Muerte. And yes. then bringing back a legend, apparently bringing back her son who Anyway, you talk. You talk instead of me. <laughs> well, I knew he was coming back because, like I said last week, he's billed for eight episodes. <laughs> so I knew he would be back, dead or alive, somehow. Uh, so apparently it's alive or a little bit of dead. It was definitely interesting to see him come back like that. Um, I thought he was just going to kind of wake up or, you know, like come yeah. back healthier. But obviously, you know, it's kind of supernatural. So it, mm. it's kind of going into that ghostly, like zombie kind of vibe, mm. Frankenstein even almost. Um so we will see what happens with that. But yeah, I was just shook when he came back and he was like in his mom's face. I was like, oh no, girl, not the mother. She was on her knees praying for you for like two days. Like, get it together. Right? It was really scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tori, what did you think about that? It was just so creepy. And I am tired of the uh, goddess of less dead, whoever she is, <laughs> um, popping up. It just scared me. And I feel like, I kind of feel like we, did we end the episode? Not end, but like, this kind of was seen in the last episode toward the end. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? How many times are y'all going to have this lady popping up in these dark rooms? It's starting <laughs> to freak me out a little bit. And so I'm just kind of wondering, honestly, it made me wonder, like, if we're ever going to see, like, a real interaction between the mom and the goddess of less death. I keep talking up this, our name. Um, just, like, a real one. Because she clearly, like, the mom has this, like, unwavering faith into this um into this goddess and she keeps calling on her and I don't know if like I kind of thought that maybe the goddess of lust death is going to like ask the mom to do something in return or if she's just going to like keep popping Mm -hmm. up and doing her I don't want to say doing her favors but like you know just providing for her or if it's going to be some sort of like I did this for you now you're going to do this for me type of thing Mm -hmm. yeah Adam yeah, plus two, I, I felt, again, it's like a Pet cemetery vibe. Or, like, when they bring back Drogo from the dead in Game of Thrones. Like, you bring them mm-hmm. back, but they're not going to be the same. Or they're like, going to be kind of mm-hmm. like a zombie or kind of doing whatever. Or they're going to be a servant for whoever brought them back. So, uh, sorry, I just had to switch off the thing here. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's good. And I think when you mess with that stuff, 
um, the mama, Mama Maria knows what she's doing. So uh, mm-hmm. I think she, you know, she wants her boy back, but I don't think she got her boy. And I think we're going to find out and see, you know, episode three here, exactly who came back. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm like, so the kind of, yeah, off of what you're saying, then a little bit going into the prediction, I think that, I think that Raul's going to be, I don't, like a zombie or something. I don't want to say a zombie, but he's like, he's not going to be all there. It's going to be really mm-hmm. weird and gnarly his, his role in the show going forward because it doesn't seem like it was like, oh, she took him out of this coma. It was like, no, she like, he like disappeared from his bed and showed up in the hallway and then like popped up here. very American horror story in my opinion. Yeah. And <laughs> just like- Kind of Ryan Murphy vibe to it. I think he, they think he's going to be a, a shell of who he used to be. And, um, and then prediction wise, I think that- uh, Santiago and Sister Molly are definitely going to have a thing. Um, I One thing, okay, this might be very, this is my prediction about the initial murder. It seems like it has to do with Miss Adelaide and Sister Molly, but a part of me thinks it's it's the 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 angel of death, not the with the son, but our, the British gal. I think it's just like the obvious answer in our face, so that's, I'm predicting that it's just like the obvious thing is like, oh, the angel of death killed them. That's my yeah. thought. I did think it was. I did think it was Raul last episode. So we'll see how it goes. But I haven't. Now I'm going on a new a new path. But um, <laughs> Brian, what do you think? Anything yeah. prediction wise? Really quick, I actually it's. I don't know if this makes sense, but I feel like they're trying to make us feel like Sister Molly is up to no good. But I feel like they're gonna swerve us, and actually she is up to good. Like she's normal. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like I feel like they do this whole I thing where it. you're like. You think she's good, you think she's bad, but in the end, she actually is presenting, like straight presenting, like she's like presenting who she really is and she's good, so. Yeah. Uh, Adam, how about you? Um, I think it's gonna get a little crazier. I think Vega is gonna definitely fall for Sister Molly. I think they're gonna try to solve the case. I think Lewis is gonna get closer to the construction Nazi. And I feel like uh, we're gonna feel like, <laughs> we're gonna feel out what's going on with uh, zombie Raul. I mean, there, there's a lot of hybrids happening now. So I don't know. I, <laughs> I think it's, it's all getting more supernatural. It like started in a very, even started in a weird place, but I feel like it's gonna keep, uh, it's gonna keep expanding. They gotta solve this murder. I feel like as soon as they mm-hmm. solve the murder, they'll figure out who set up everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's all connected to the same person. And sorry. Any any yeah. thoughts on the future? <laughs> I think that the um, the doctor's son is going to say something. I just I just oh, feel yeah. it like kids just don't have a filter. I feel like he's going to say something. And I also think that the race war is just going to heighten. Honestly, this is kind of starting to play out like a creepy West Side Story type of thing. So I know yeah. this is going <laughs> to blow up in the end. But yeah, you never know. Absolutely. Yeah. I see it all happening. Like, I think we like, we know where this is going. We just don't know how it's going to get there. And it's, um, th- I mean, granted, we're only at episode two. Like, I think we have mm-hmm. like a good six, maybe eight more. And um, yeah, I'm excited. But uh, before we sign out, uh, please let the viewers, the listeners who we are so thankful for and love, please tell them where they can find you, Tori. You guys can find me on Instagram at Toxic Model or on Twitter at Tori with two E's. You can check out some of my articles on our website and some of the other after shows that I'm on. Heck yeah. Adam, how about you? Hey guys, Adam Carr here. Just uh, want to remind you to check out on YouTube and Instagram, Horribly Hollywood Singles, some of the worst dating stories told by some of the best guests in Hollywood. Just shot a brand new one. So you have a special guest you want to miss. Heck yes. I love to hear that. 
And um, you can find me on Instagram at Cody Epp, C-O-D-Y-Y-E-P-P, or Twitter at Cody underscore Epp. Thank you all for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you guys for being here to talk to me about this because listening to me notice these tiny little weird things. That I, Anyway, thank you guys. I'm so excited to see you all next week at 7 o'clock to talk about episode 3. Woohoo! Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.